This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. And today's topic is control from the grave. grave. <laughs> bum, 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 bum. We have had kind of a lot of recent conversations with people about their estate planning, their charitable planning, and also how they want things to roll once they're no longer here. Now, some people really like the idea of spending their last dollar the day that they die. And if you can time that just perfectly, then I would like to know that secret. (laughs) But some people uh, want to have some control about how things roll. And there are oftentimes some really good reasons for that. So we're going to talk a little bit today about control from the grave of your assets (laughs) and what that means and how you can accomplish that if, in fact, that is what you want to do. So with me today, I have Amy McFarlane. Good morning, Mary. Thank you for picking me to co-host with you on this topic. I think it's a great idea. Yes, Amy was getting a little giggle ahead of time when we were talking about what uh, kinds of things we're going to cover in today's um, show. So, all right, here's the thing, is there are pros and cons to the idea of controlling something from the grave. And we're going to talk about those during the first part of our show. And then we're going to give some examples during the second part about what kind of things you can do that um, might not be quite as controlling, but also could be gifts from the grave, which is a whole (laughs) another interesting kind of topic. (laughs) All right. So I'm sorry to have to tell you this. The morbid part of this show is that in order for any of these things to happen, you need to be dead. <laughs> yeah, that's the, the we bad We probably side. shouldn't be laughing about the fact that our listeners must be well, dead to take advantage of these I like the idea of possibly being able to still be in control. <laughs> <laughs> I well, wonder why that is. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right. So here's the thing is that um, the most basic type of estate planning is going to be done with a will. But there are some recent legal ranklings that show that a will does not necessarily guarantee that your wishes are going to be executed, Mm -hmm. especially if you have done some funny business (laughs) within your will, right? So let's say that you've decided that you have fallen out of um, sorts with your spouse and you want to cut your spouse out of your will. That may or may not fly in the state that you live in. Okay. So you cannot just necessarily um, cut out a spouse because generally a court will ensure that a widow is left in no worse position on the death of her spouse than she would be in the event of a divorce. Or his. <laughs> yes, or vice versa. <laughs> Women, if you're cutting your husbands out of the picture. <laughs> Um, And so, you know, some people think that they can accomplish control from the grave with just a will. And sometimes you can and sometimes you can't. But there there are going to be some rules in your state that may or may not overrule what your will actually said. All right. So keep that in mind. Now, one of the things I I do want to say is it's a lot easier to cut out a child than it is to cut out a spouse. Oh, so keep okay. that in mind. So like any examples on this? Of, of cutting out a child? Yes, or a spouse. Um, well, okay. So Not that I have any second... attention, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> the secondary spouse, like if you have multiple marriages, that's an area where cutting oh, sure. out children in favor of a 
third spouse mm-hmm. sometimes can get overturned in court if the children are fighting that. Okay. Um, we've seen that in a lot of high profile cases, sure. things like that. Um, and sometimes if you just have a child that you feel is not deserving of an inheritance, um, for whatever your reason is, I'm sure it could be very valid reason, the child generally feels like that is not a valid reason and mm-hmm. may go contest the will. Okay. So anyway, my point with that is um, having a will is your primary first level of estate planning and making sure that things get to who you want them to get to. And that gives a little bit of control from the grave. Okay. But what I want to talk about is a um, estate planning topic that is a little bit um, controversial oh, in some areas. Right. And it's called an incentive trust. Oh, okay. well, that says a lot just with that word, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So most of us would like to think that our children or our grandchildren would be responsible enough to handle a large inheritance. Okay. But the truth of it is that most children and young adults are not quite ready for the pressures or the responsibilities that come with a large sum of money. Mm-hmm. And um, I have seen time and time again where wealth is squandered by people who aren't equipped to handle it. And I've also seen it absolutely kill and obliterate work ethic. Yeah. Um, when we have a... Um, a person who feels entitled to money versus having to work for money, that can cause a lot of issues in that person's life that then spill over into having nothing to do with money. Sure. All of, yeah. Yeah. And maybe it's just my good old-fashioned Midwestern work ethic speaking here, <laughs> but I kind of like the idea that people should have a job. <laughs> what is? I don't know the exact expression, but something about money that comes easily goes away fast. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much true. So there is a way for you to use your wealth as a positive motivator um, within your estate planning, and it's informally known as something called an incentive trust, okay? And if it's used in a careful and sensitive manner, it's something that can promote the type of behavior that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. If it's used in the wrong way, it can create generations of anger and resentment and bitterness (laughs) (laughs) amongst many (laughs) yes so that is why it can be kind of a controversial tool okay okay so what is an incentive trust an incentive trust is a legal entity it's a trust and it can hold and manage assets for the benefit of people so children grandchildren future generations It's typically established by the family member who owns the wealth, for instance, you. Right, (laughs) sure. (laughs) And it's designed to provide innovative strategies for distributing wealth to the younger generations. Oh. Okay? And basically, when you establish this kind of trust, you can use the trust provisions to reward a beneficiary for achieving kind of a wide range of desired goals. It can be behavioral goals. It can be, um, you know, uh, a a multitude of different things. So we're going to talk about what some of those things are. All right. So pros and cons. Pros and cons. (laughs) Here we come. So the biggest pro, Mm -hmm. as you might assume, is motivating positive behavior. Sure. That's (laughs) that's what we all go for, don't we? Right. Raising our children from the grave. Yeah. (laughs) When we're alive, we motivate them, right? Mm -hmm. Like when they're young, did you give your kids an allowance for doing Mm -hmm. work? Yes. Mm -hmm. 
They blew it a lot, though. I mean, as in, like, sure. they didn't get it because they weren't doing what needed to be done. <laughs> they, they were not following the positive <laughs> yes, behavior like guidelines easy. you had set out. Yes. I think we all have had Adjust that experience. Adjust your priorities. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so now you can decide to withhold their allowance from the grave. <laughs> so the, okay, so motivating positive behavior allows you to reward the beneficiary for desired behaviors and it can limit access to the money if there are undesirable behaviors All right. or unproductive behaviors or immoral activity. Oh, wow. Okay. So here's what I mean by that. A desired behavior might be that you hold a job. Okay. A desired behavior might be that you go get an education. A desired behavior might mean that you are withholding moral clauses. And of course, that gets very gray as to what is moral and immoral according to somebody. So that's hard to define inside sure. of a legal instrument like this. Um, but um, as long as you don't make it something that's illegal, you can try to define some of the moral things, okay. right? So what you can't do is require that someone divorce their spouse oh. in order to get an inheritance. You cannot require something like that. Right. But you can require somebody to have a job and be gainfully employed. Okay. okay? So that is the um, kind of the biggest thing that these incentive trusts can do. So, for instance, um, let's talk about this gainful um, employment All idea. Right. Okay. OK, so I have a client who has a large amount of wealth mm -hmm. and they have two sons and one of the sons has been gainfully employed for most of his life. And one of the sons has in fits and starts yeah. had jobs. <laughs> <laughs> My theory is the first two born children are exact opposites of each other and in third, fourth, fifth siblings are somewhere in between. So <laughs> I like that, that idea. Would illustrate, it's really true. It is. Oh my gosh. That's funny. Okay. So the parents looked at this situation and recognized that they're not always going to be around to bail out this second son who has had some of these issues. And so they put a provision inside their trust that said, you have to be gainfully employed. And the amount of money that you can take out of the trust each year when we're gone is equal to the amount of salary or income that you create on your own. Oh my gosh. That's wow. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, I sure love that is. idea. Right. And I have three children and I'm not going to name names, but not every <laughs> one of them has always had the strongest <laughs> level of work ethic. So that is something that I think is a great promoter of the right behavior, yes, right? Go right. get a job, take care of yourself, build your own skills, handle your own life and here's my gift from the grave if you're doing those things it's like matching funds yes it is it's a, it's a really yeah. good way to put it yeah. yeah so that's one thing that you can do that i think is kind of interesting another thing you can do in the incentive trust is you can put the age restrictions on there so for instance instead of just having your child get all of the money when they're 21 you could have it be something that encourages education so if you want the money before you're 25, you can have it for college purposes. And then maybe you get a third when you're 25, a third when you're 30, and a third when you're 35. And I'm sure for a lot of people listening, they're thinking about grandchildren, too, mm -hmm. at this age. That yes. You want your grandchild to get through college and, or do this or that. 
Yeah, and that's actually one of the biggest mistakes that I see in people's estate planning documents is they've thought through these provisions for their kids, and then they have kind of a catch-all clause for their grandkids that says, and if my children are no longer alive, then my grandkids get it all at this age. And usually that's written before they actually have grandkids, Uh so they haven't thought really too much about that because there aren't really grandkids yet, and then they don't go back and update it once grandkids are born. So that is, if if you're listening and you have that in your will, just think about that. Do you have the same provisions for grandchildren as you do for children just in case that would happen? All right. Another thing that this trust can do is promote a healthy lifestyle. Okay. So what I mean by that is this is... I guess the better way to say it is detract from an unhealthy lifestyle. Okay. <laughs> so Illicit drug if, use. <laughs> yes, that's exactly oh, right. Okay. If somebody's having a problem with addiction, mm-hmm. then you can restrict their funds. Okay. And so that is another reason that a lot of times people will use an incentive type trust is if they have a child who struggled with addiction or they want to make sure that that doesn't happen in the future, then they can have ways of proving that they're clean and sober before a trust distribution happens. Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. And today we are talking about control from the grave. (laughs) A very interesting topic for people. It really is. All right, so we've talked about the idea of this incentive trust and some of the things that it can do to motivate positive behavior, such as gainful employment, um, encouraging education, promoting a healthy lifestyle. There's two other things that are interesting that an incentive trust could encourage from a positive behavior standpoint, and one of them is endorsing philanthropy. Okay. Okay. So um, sometimes the incentive oh. trusts are written in such a way that that develop a board that's a charitable board within the trust, and your children then um, are given the responsibility of donating certain amounts from that trust every year to different charitable organizations, and then there are certain steps that are laid out for them to follow. All right. So it encourages the philanthropy and helps your child develop an appreciation for that kind of community involvement. Another thing that you can do inside Hmm. here is you can um, encourage volunteerism. Oh. And you can put some um, behavior modifying things in here that if you volunteer a certain amount of time in your community, then there's reward to you financially from the trust. Neat. Yeah, kind of different. That's very tidy. I like that. Yeah. (laughs) The last thing that it can encourage is um, you can include provisions that reward your beneficiaries for assuming responsibilities in a family business. And I think that one gets a little bit dicier, though, from a legal standpoint, because to force someone to work in a certain place, I I think that maybe that one's a little bit more contestable, but it is done sometimes. So if you want to control that family business from the grave, baby, here's your way to try it. Maybe that's why they say a lot of businesses, the third generation's the the sticky one. Yes, exactly. All right. So let's talk about some of the cons. Okay. So, um, yeah. So, uh, I like the saying, Mary, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. <laughs> right. <laughs> Estate planning is definitely a good intention, but you can cause all sorts of problems if you get really sticky with some of these rules. So, the first thing that you um, could possibly be doing is creating high levels of resentment within your family. 
right? Mm -hmm. They probably think you're controlling now. (laughs) Imagine how they're going to feel when it's still happening once you're gone. (laughs) So just be aware that any levels of controls that you do place on your wealth following your demise are likely to cause some kind of resentments. Um, and especially if you make the, um, the, the reward unattainable for them. Okay. Okay. So for instance, if you require they get a degree and if a degree is impossible for them to get, then you can cause some issues. So just, just think about that as you're drafting these things. You also could have the con of hindering entrepreneurship. Sure. So if you're saying you want somebody to be gainfully employed, if you have spelled it out that that means for someone else, that could hinder your beneficiary's ability to be an entrepreneur and work for themselves, which also could certainly be considered gainful, you know, employment. Absolutely. So think about that. Um, We talked about setting the unrealistic goals. Like instead of saying, I want you to have a degree from an Ivy League school, as a requirement, you may just say, I want you to pursue a four-year degree okay. to get some of this mm-hmm. um, because the Ivy League school might not be an attainable thing for them. Sure. Okay. It might never be. The other thing is that um, if you place too much emphasis on business or academic achievements, you can overlook other matters that might be important like the health oh, sure. or the overall well-being of somebody. So someone might need to dip into the trust because they're having a health issue and you right. don't want to block that. So for instance, let's say your beneficiary has cancer and that's causing them to not be able to be gainfully employed. Sure. That gainful employment provision could be problematic then. Yes. Right? So, okay. So the bottom line is if you decide to establish something like an incentive trust for your heirs, just use care when drafting the documents and make sure they do allow for some flexibility and to accommodate changing circumstances and unintended effects. Yes. Just think through some of those things. But this is a really interesting way to do some of that. Well, and I would imagine also, Mary, selecting a trustee is an important part in your estate planning, too. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, because the trustee is really going to have some decision-making power in whether or not they're meeting these standards. Financial planners cannot be trustees, can they? Nope. They cannot be the trustees. Okay. So let's talk about another thing. Instead of control from the grave, let's talk about this idea of a gift from a grave. Okay. And this is a really neat um, idea that um, I think I'm going to set up for my (laughs) own grandchildren. But um, there is a type of annuity that is out there where you can create within it the ability for a payout to go to another person. Mm -hmm. And you could line it up where the payment that they get every year from this program is coming to them on their birthday. That's cool. Yeah. So imagine if you would. Or on your birthday. Yeah. (laughs) Imagine your grandparent or great grandparent has set up an account for you where every year you're getting a check from great grandpa on your birthday. That's pretty neat. How cool would that be for your lifetime? Well, and like you, yeah, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like you, I don't know where you had come across that it's hard for people to remember after three generations. Yeah. So statistically, they say that you're forgotten about in your own family after three (laughs) generations. So think about that. I want our listeners to think about that for a second. I want you to think about your great grandparents. Yes. What are the names of your own great grandparents? Right. And I bet people are stopping to pause and thinking, oh, yeah. But but (coughs) consider this. I believe you have eight 
of them. <laughs> because you have a sure. mother's side and a father's side, and then you have your mother's mother's parents and your mother's father's parents. Sure. There's four, and then you have the same thing on your father's side. So there's eight. And I'm guessing that there's a fair amount of listeners out there that probably cannot name all eight grandparents, <laughs> great-grandparents. Right, right. Right. Yeah. And so here's the thing. I'm guessing that if you were getting a check from great grandma, mm-hmm. I would bet you're going to remember her name. <laughs> <laughs> that is so great, right? Yeah. So if you don't want oh to be one gosh. of the literally great grandmas, <laughs> yeah, she's very great. If you don't want to be one of those forgotten generations, then there are some really cool estate planning <clears throat> techniques to do that, where you can do birthday checks to great grandchildren or grandchildren or whoever you want to, your own children. For their lifetime. And so if that's something that interests you, then that would be, you know, a great time and ideal for you to reach out to us. Well, and you know, my um, grandparents gave me a government bond, savings bond, on my high, at my high school graduation. Okay. And I thought, I looked at it, and I'm like, cool, you know? they And they my parents were so thrilled that they were giving me this, that my grandma, who had passed, had given this mm-hmm. to me. So I thought I was receiving $1,500 and they said, no, no, not for 20 years. <laughs> It'll turn into but it was great when I was 38. I'm like, hey, <laughs> thank, boy, you, grandma. thank you. And, uh, you know. <laughs> All right. So as our gift to our listeners today, we do have a um, really cool thing called a beneficiary guidebook. Um, if you would like to have a copy of that, you can just reach out to us at sterkfinancialservices.com and request it or give us a call. But it's a great place for you to kind of house all the information that will help your beneficiaries and where people can understand what some of your wishes are or where to go about finding your will or your incentive trust or whatever it is sure. that you've created. <clears throat> well, and it asks you questions that you haven't thought about, too. I like Definitely. that part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is a beautiful gift mm-hmm. for your beneficiaries. So... Um, Give us a call, request that, and we hope that today you've learned some really good ideas and strategies on things you can do to control your money from the grave, and then um, also to think about some gifts from the grave as well. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you for listening to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can assure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Woodbury Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Insurance offered through Sterk Financial Services, which is not affiliated with Woodbury Financial. Sterk Financial Services is located at 350 Oak Tree Lane, Suite 150, Dakota Dunes, South Dakota, 57049, and can be reached at 605-217-3555.